The DigitalLifestyle.com presents TDL Mobile Show 109 for Sunday, the 8th of July, 2012. My name's Jason Coombs. Unfortunately, John uh, couldn't join us this week, and we're hoping to get Ian on as well, but unfortunately he, he couldn't make it. But I'm lucky enough to be uh, joined by a very special guest, um, Ed Bott, who we last had on the show back in April 2011 uh, for show number 74. So it's really good to get him back on the show and see what's changed and see how his predictions from that show have come true. And it was really good to, to catch up with Ed. So um, without any further ado, I shall hand over to the interview. Um, so it gives me a great pleasure, and I'm really feel re- very privileged to uh, welcome Ed Bott from Z- ZDNet uh, to the show. It's really good for you to spare some time to talk to us. It's good to be back, Jason. Yeah, it certainly is. It, it's been a while since we uh, spoke. How, how have you been? Uh, busy. Uh, Microsoft <laughs> has been uh, pulling out all sorts of surprises uh, in the past couple months, and uh, so have their competitors. So uh, it's you know you know for given that we're supposed to be entering the post PC era, uh, you wouldn't know it from my workload. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I mean even as someone that, that doesn't uh, maintain a website like you do, you know, it's it's clearly been a very very busy time, and you know you've obviously been very lucky enough to to visit these um, uh, launch sorry not launches but announcements, and also I know you at the uh, Windows Phone Summit. Uh, I didn't go to the Windows Phone Summit, but I was able to go to the launch, or whatever you want to call it, event for uh, for Microsoft Surface, uh, Microsoft Surface uh, which it, it, you know that's funny because I I said serv- I started to say service there, and I've been having a real <laughs> I've been confusing those two words uh, every time I've written up an article about Surface. Uh, these are these are truly confusing times that we. <laughs> Certainly, I'm, I'm, I'm apologies. I thought I thought you had made it to the uh, to the Windows Phone Summit. So, um, yeah, as you say, uh, quite a lot's been going on. Um, it was uh, April 2011 when we last had you on show number 74. So, oh. um, it's certainly been <laughs> it's certainly been quite some time. And I don't, I don't want to dwell on the past, but I just thought it might be interesting because I, I think I think you might be a bit of a fortune teller, Ed. Oh well, let's let's go back and look at uh, what I said. You you probably have the um, the the exact details of what I predicted. Yeah, not so much exact, but uh, I certainly I had a quick re-listen to and and, and made a few notes and um, just just as a, a very quick uh, summary of some of the things that we talked about. And obviously we talk, we talked about Windows and and Windows Phone at the time, but we were kind of touching on how Microsoft has, had historically tried to fit Windows onto onto small devices. And I think pretty much you summarized with saying that, you know, we've got 
Um, within Microsoft, there are some smart people working on Courier, Zune, and Media Center, um, and trying to make those interfaces, you know, kind of common across all different devices and experiences. So that when um, consumers um, are looking to buy devices, rather than being confused or not even recognising that it might be Windows underneath, that they kind of see similarities and recognise interfaces across devices. So, given where we are today, I think that's quite quite fortuitous. Uh, I guess that does sound like a pretty good description of where the the Metro design style and a lot of the Metro app frameworks have taken us so far. Um, so yeah, I think I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll take a little credit uh, for that one. Although you know you sure could see it coming, and uh, and the other part of that it isn't just the look and feel; it's also the uh, the sort of consistent operation of a lot of the devices that has been uh, part of what's happened in the last year or or year and a half. Uh, you know, Microsoft has really been cutting out things that uh, weren't sort of central to the business uh, so that, you know, you used to have four or five different synchronization products on different platforms and even within Windows itself and now you've got one all the others have been have been pretty much uh, retired uh, you know sent to write off into the sunset and now there's basically the the whole SkyDrive infrastructure is working across all of the devices you know so so there's yeah there's the design um, but there's also a case of the services that have started to uh, be more consistent uh, and less fragmented as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, I, I can remember using the, the very original Windows Live Mesh on my Windows Mobile device, and you know, I, I remember you know, kind of showing people at the time. Look, you know, I, I've set the default pictures folder on my Windows Mobile device to sync, and I can take a picture, and that will get synced to the cloud. And I've shared that folder with family, so that you know, if they happen to be on the PC at the time, they'll, you know, they can log on and and, and see it. You know, so if we're on holiday, rather than waiting. This, for us to get home and enjoy the time we're having, they can actually see, you know, almost in real time, the places that we're visiting. And you know, it's, it's, as you say, there were so many products, and trying to find the right, right one that fitted. Now I know with what we've ended up with, um, with the, the SkyDrive app, we've kind of shedded some features along the way. But I think, uh, you know, like many of these products, when you start to um, get a coherent system, you kind of have to shed a few features and maybe add them back in at a future date. I think you're right there, and it's um, it, it's one of the diseases that Windows has always had is the idea of let's see how many features we can cram into uh, version one, and then we'll see which ones work, and you know, and some will get dropped, and some products will get dropped, uh, and you compare that to the more rational and. Uh, the more rational way of building things, which is to start with something simple that solves a problem that has the right set of features, and then you can expand it over time. So that you know, the, and that's certainly the way that Apple has approached many of its products, not all of them, but but many of them. Uh, and you know, Microsoft is in the unenviable position of having to take a lot of products that were complex, turn them back into simpler things and then say, okay, now from this simple, reasonable, rational framework, we'll start to expand them again. And, and maybe, you know, that explains 
some of the reaction, you know, some of the negative reaction to Windows 8 that we've seen, where there's uh, a, you know, you look at the product and you say, but it doesn't do this that it used to do, and it doesn't do that that it used to do, and uh, and you say, yes, but the things that it does, it does fairly well, and you can see, in you, you can envision a future where a lot of the things that you want will be possible, um, although the present is not necessarily so attractive to somebody who really fell in love with the full-featured, complicated, every bell and whistle version of things. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, uh, hopefully over the course of the next hour or so, we can really get into some Windows 8 and Windows Phone. But I just have one last thing to, to bring up from the last show, um, which is we were, we were discussing uh, kind of Windows Phone um, and we were talking about, you know, um, where that might lead to in terms of you know, a new tablet strategy. And, and one of the things that you said was uh, with Windows Phone, you have an efficient streamlined interface that can scale up to 7-inch, 10-inch, and maybe even full desktop sizes, which, again, I think is, is quite fortuitous. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, – in fact th- – I'm wondering how long it will be before we see uh, Microsoft's entry into the the, the seven-inch tablet category. You know, we we now with Surface and with all of the um, you know the the other device makers who have announced or confirmed that they're working on 10-inch Windows 8 tablets, and then you've got you know a a um, Nokia. Plus Samsung, plus HTC, and others who are in there with the Windows Phone category. There is that you know five-inch, seven-inch category in the middle that's just you know begging for someone to uh, to come in and take that. But you certainly now have with Windows Phone 8 coming out and being tied into the same kernel as as Windows 8. You now, yeah, we we now actually do have a future where we can see okay, one platform that will rule them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which uh, which leads me nicely into the, into the, your last comment, which I shall mention before we get into the, the nitty gritty, um, which was again we were kind of talking about how you know even with the the, the tablet PCs that at the time that Microsoft were making with kind of Windows XP and then Windows 7 that you know OEMs were trying to overlay their own interfaces and, and again your comment was that. Um, it's, these interfaces make it touch friendly to a point, but then you get below it, and also um, that nobody can integrate with those interfaces. That you need a common um, user interface that people, uh, that developers can can write apps for and, and integrate. And I think, I think really that kind of leads us into to Windows 8 because um, you know some people um, talked about that the kind of Windows 8 in air quotes strategy for tablets might be just a big version of Windows Phone like Apple did with iOS, but I think um, Microsoft have certainly decided to take a different path and, and kind of meld the new Metro interface with with um, the strength and the, the power and the adaptability of the past. It, it is a a big bet. You know, I think around the time that we were uh, having that conversation, there were some intimations out there from people who had seen uh, early demonstrations of, of what we now know as Windows 8, and 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 the thing that they were saying, you know, is oh, I, I can't talk about the details, but uh, this is a huge bet on Microsoft's part. And now you really do understand why, because instead of just choosing one direction or the other, they have said we believe we can create a hybrid operating system that will work on 
touch friend as a touch friendly tablet device and when you attach a mouse and keyboard to it and you can shift it back and forth between these two things and there won't be any compromises um and you know so they they st- they've stuck to their guns on on that one and um and you know so that's one of the things we can talk about is how successful they've been at that and how successful they can be at bringing that hybrid uh together yeah absolutely i mean <clears throat> i know uh, you know following mary jo foley she's you know definitely of the of the of the stance that you know, Windows 8 isn't going on a desktop PC. That, it, as far as she's concerned, you know, it's it's purely for touch. But I've kind of um, thought that the reason why we have Metro maybe on on desktops is that Microsoft are trying to avoid that Windows Phone um, slow growth. That they really want. You know, Windows 8 is going to probably be on desktops. Well, will be on desktops that people buy, and maybe they won't use the Metro interface, but they'll start to get used to it. And then maybe when they do like to go out to shop for that tablet, just maybe when they've got that Windows um, RT tablet or even maybe a Windows 8 Pro tablet, that they might or that they're more likely to be, to lean towards that rather than just going with a safe pair, which is the iPad. Uh, I I think you're absolutely right there. If if the if, if Microsoft had chosen the path of building a device that simply had a, a new operating system that was purely metro-based, purely touch-based, and required all new apps, uh, it, would have, it would have made life very difficult for, uh, for app developers, you know, who would have said, you know, why should, we, why should we build for this? There aren't any devices for it yet. We'll, we'll wait until there's a, a critical mass of devices out there. And then you get into the classic chicken and egg situation. Uh, so, you know, one of the things I've been doing today, I've been sitting here uh, catching up on, on some work, and I've been doing so on a, on a Windows 8 system. And I have indeed been using a, a bunch of Metro's apps or, or Metro-style apps, but I also have been using many more Windows desktop apps. And I've been going back and forth between them, and they definitely have their place. And one of the things that I realized as I was using them was, wow, this particular one would be, will be so much easier to use on a tablet. Um, so I'm really glad that I have the, the, uh, you know, the desktop option available here. Uh, but it, it's not a Metro apps only on the tablet, desktop apps only on the desktop. There really and truly is room for both. Met- Metro Twit, the, the Metro style version of Metro mm-hmm. Twit, um, really works well as a Metro app. I have the, my Twitter timeline uh, sitting here snapped into a bar on the, on the side of the monitor and you know it's, it's keeping track of my Twitter feed for me without taking up any without taking up any space on my desktop and I can and meanwhile I have Skype here on my desktop and I have uh, multiple browsers and OneNote and Outlook and and all this stuff you know scattered around a, a couple different monitors and I go back and forth to other metro style apps occasionally it's but you're right if if I didn't have the option to use those apps here if I could only use them on a tablet I would probably not use them very often um, you know, because at the moment I'm not, you know, I'm not using a tablet. Uh, 
<laughs> when I travel. <laughs> yes. No. I mean, I, I know exactly what you mean. I think the only, I mean, the only thing I've really found using, um, for example, my my work laptop um, has has I've I've set up um, a dual boot to Windows 8 using the installed VHD option, mm-hmm. um, purely because our, our corporate antivirus isn't supported yet. Um, so I haven't used it as much as I'd like. But what I do find um, is that with the Metro interface, that there's because of the very nature of Metro design, that there's a lot of mouse travel when you want to when you use the metro interface so a lot of people kind of look at the how do you use windows 8 full stop with a mouse and keyboard i kind of more focus on how do i use metro and, and like i say there is there is that extra mouse travel and that's what i find the most um inhibitive that's probably true um although i i wonder if it's just because it's different that it feels like more and that um, you know, and and the fact that you can only have uh, two apps open on a screen at one time means that you have to do a, a fair amount of uh, of navigation to switch between two apps where you could on a desktop you know snap them side by side. What, what resolution do you have on your laptop? It is. 1440 by 900, I believe. Right. So that's one where you can typically get away with having two windows side by side on a desktop. Yeah. And now at, at, at 1366 by 768, um, you know, you really can't. There isn't much room for anything there except for, you know, maybe an IM window or a Skype window or something that's, um, you know, that's, that's sitting there. Uh, but... On a on a sixteen, I have a sixteen hundred by nine hundred resolution on my notebook, and that also has enough room for multiple desktop apps. But even so, though, I found when I was traveling uh, to Los Angeles for the Microsoft Surface event, when I went back to my hotel room, I actually found myself during various portions of the trip with uh, two Metro apps open. One was uh, one was a Twitter app. And one was the uh, the Metro style mail app, and that was you know typically when I was doing other things like packing or you know wandering around the room or uh, you know or, or, or something, and I could go back there and I could see very much at a glance what had changed and whether there was something that I needed to uh, to respond to, and it was pretty easy to just bump the mouse up to the upper left corner to to switch to other apps. So I had, you know, a lot of it was um, monitoring different sites. This was the, you know, the day of the event itself, and none of us knew what was going to be going on. Mm-hmm. And so I found that in that case, I was using it kind of as a dashboard, and it, and it really worked fairly well. Um, but for other, you know, for other kind of applications that I'm doing, it, you know, I, I wanted the freedom to, to uh, you know, to move back and forth. Um, you know, had I had an iPad, I would have had the option to have one app at a time on there. Yes. Yeah. You know, so uh, in this case, I was able to carry, you know, just carrying a single device and had, you know, some some of the functions that you would sort of expect from a tablet, although it doesn't have a touch screen on it, but it was really, you know, I needed for this trip, I needed a, uh, you know, a full fledged laptop. Uh, And that's, uh, you know, then that's kind of part of it is how many devices do we want to carry around? I've got a phone. 
I cannot give up my phone. I have to, I have to have it. Um, and when I'm traveling and I had to, you know, I had to write a, a fairly long and detailed post that night and then publish it with graphics and such up to uh, the, the ZDNet content management system. I, I couldn't do that from a conventional tablet. I needed a full notebook. So, you know, th- those, those were my two devices that I had to have. Um, and a tablet, carrying a tablet around would have meant a third one. So, you know, what I really wanted was something that I think is going to be in the next generation of devices, which is a, a thing that when I'm in the hotel room, it's it's a real uh, notebook device with a touchpad and a and a full keyboard and a big enough screen that I can do stuff on it. But I can pick it up, you know, sort of either undock it or hide the the touch cover. And I've got a tablet that I can carry, you know, carry around. And if I'm sitting at a coffee shop or waiting in a at an airport, um, that it's easier to just sort of read and catch up on things and do light email you know we're balancing a notebook is is um is, is awkward you know so it's a, you know a lot of this is how many devices do we want to carry around with us yeah i mean that is a you know it's, it's a very good question i know um i think i've heard paul Thurot say you know that people he, he comes across people going oh you know i just travel with my ipad and then they sit down for the conference and out comes the keyboard and out comes the mouse and all these various attachments that kind of suddenly come from nowhere that um that you know actually you're kind of compromising really if you're honest <laughs> uh I, I, you, yeah you're compromising an awful lot I, and i know i know a couple people uh journalists tech journalists that i respect who are uh who who say that they are using a tablet as their primary work device when they go out and, and cover events like that. And I also know from reading their articles and their descriptions of what their work process is that they've had to be very disciplined and uh, and very deliberate in how they put together the big bag of kit that they carry around with them and the, and the ways that they work. And, and I am neither that disciplined nor um willing to you know modify my my work habits uh, around the restrictions of of a single device i'll accept some restrictions you know in in the name of of portability but you know having this this thing that's like a a um you know that has about five different things you have to plug into it before you can finally get to the point where you're productive with it is you know now i i don't i don't want to have all that uh stuff in my traveling bag anymore no i know exactly what you mean and also i think um you know when when you look at a device like the ipad which is has clearly been successful it's it's a good job i'm not in the uh, prediction in the tech world because i'd have got it completely wrong <laughs> but um <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you look at a device like that's you know clearly clearly successful, and yes, there, there's the whole argument over consumption and creation. And yes, if you've got a, a keyboard for it, then yes, you probably can do some creation. But I think inevitably, when you have a device like that, I'm sure we'll get to the point where apps do evolve to be as um, fully functional as, as what we would class a Windows desktop app to be. But I think. You know, that's on the one hand, that's Microsoft's gamble putting the Metro interface on the desktop. But on the other hand, that's that's what I see as the genius that you've got this Metro interface. But if you want to, 
you know, you can switch back to the desktop and there's your Word, there's your Excel, there's, you know, all the power that you need um, in, a, in an interface that you're used to and that is, is been designed over many years with the ribbon, um, probably not so many years now, but the ribbon's quite a new thing, but, you know, it just has a, a, a proper work experience. Well, you know what? It, it, it's funny that you mentioned that, though. But the ribbon is now six years old. It, 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 You're it, it, no, it made its appearance, if you'll recall, in Office 2007, and and so it, you know it was designed in 2006, and you know it, it shipped in 2007 for us, and we were beta testing it in in, in 2006. So yeah, it's been you know it's been around. Uh, a long, long time, and and indeed, it's funny that you mentioned the ribbon because I think the ribbon is a good thing to compare Metro to. When, go back sometime, just as a um, as a thought experiment, and load up Office 2007 on Windows Vista. Do it in a do it in a virtual machine, and and even though you'll recognize the ribbon. As, as something that's very familiar to you from what you're using today in the 2010 versions of Office and in, um, and, and in the Windows 8 uh, re- release preview, the, the way in which it's implemented, the level of polish to it and the features to it are very, very different. There's a lot of customizability in the newer Iterations of the ribbon that simply weren't there in um, in two thousand in two thousand seven. Um, you know the differences in in looks are relatively minor, but the differences in functionality are much richer and took care of most of the uh, most of the objections. Uh, I think what you know what's interesting is you bring up the iPad and and what the iPad is right now is by default. It's successful. Uh, I mean, I tip my hat to Apple. It's a it's a brilliant device, and it's a good value. And through their management of the supply chain, they've been able to build it and sell it in a volume and at price points that are just you know exceptional. But the reason it's so successful right now is because it has no competition at all. You know, Android devices are are you know you have to be an Android fanboy to to want to use those windows 7 devices you know you you have to be very committed to use a, a windows 7 tablet type type device they just yes. as we were talking about in april <laughs> 2011 those those just don't work beyond uh you know some some specialized usage scenarios like like OneNote. so you know i think what Windows 8 offers, and what and, and what and what Surface is is trying to do is to say, okay, we're going to have battery life, we're going to have apps that work, we're going to have a, a uh, an interface that um, that doesn't crash and is very very fast and and uh, you know and just and just zips along when you're when you're holding it uh, in your hands, and it's not overlaid on top of the old Windows. It is designed to be touch first and you know and all of those things but we you know those things still aren't on the market yet so if somebody goes and they and they want a, a a tablet today there really only is one option for them and that's an iPad or nothing yeah <clears throat> sorry excuse me i um 
I actually bought um, one of the uh, Acer Iconia uh, W500s because I wanted something I could, which was a touch device that I could play around with with Windows 8. And um, it's it's interesting what you were saying about you know how Windows 7 you know wasn't something designed um, for touch, and that's, which is what came with it. But I I wiped that pretty quickly and put put Windows 8 on it. But I didn't get the keyboard with it, and I still find that with um, using even Windows 8 when I drop back down to the desktop you are kind of taken back to the past um, well like right and, and in fact to make the keyboard appear you have to tap a little button on the taskbar and uh, you know and then it takes over half the screen <laughs> yeah uh, yeah leaving but, you very yeah. little room to to actually see the thing that you're you're trying to type and that's a you know that's a problem on on Windows Phone also, except that with 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 Windows Phone or or an iPhone or any device, you know the keyboard comes up there. But in general, you're just trying to fill in a search box or a text box or enter your username and password or something on a on a handheld device like a phone. Um, mm. But on a you know on a tablet, you're you're trying to you know you're trying to type something, and when the screen is 1024 by 768 or even 1366 by 768 and half of it is all of a sudden consumed by the by the keyboard you're you're just you're sort of typing into this fairly um wide and shallow box that and it's not and it's still not a a satisfying experience no and and also just when you were trying to you know highlight files in in um windows explorer that you know when you haven't got the option of falling back to a keyboard it's it's still you know that whole trying to sharpen your fingernails to you know to be able to actually get it get the touch <laughs> in the right place although i must admit I, I i do find that they they must have done some work because it's more accurate than i would expect it to be given my fat fingers yeah i i've had the exact same experience as you with uh windows explorer on windows 8 there's clearly um some very clever and creative engineering work that's gone into the touch interface there uh, and where you can, you know, when, when you tap it, things that would have required a second or third try in Windows 7 um, are, are much more likely to work, you know, somewhere in the 90% plus range time. It still fails often enough that you, that you notice that Oh, oh darn! That didn't quite work. But, <laughs> yeah. but, after, but if you've if you've used it for a while, you you know you sort of learn where the target is, and the target the, the tap or touch target is uh, is much more forgiving um, for things. For me, the killer issue with um, with with carrying around a uh, a notebook, I have this, or I mean a tablet, is uh, I have the Samsung uh, Series Seven here, and then also the Samsung. Um, developers build that that Microsoft has given Windows 8 reviewers as a um, as a temporary uh, device, and it's useful, but the battery life is simply not long enough for the kind of scenarios where you want to have a, a tablet. It's maybe good for. Yeah, you know, for four hours, or my, maybe I can squeeze it up to five hours, but that's just that's just not quite enough. And also, then it has the docking station and the separate Bluetooth keyboard, which are which are fine. But if, if I'm, you know, if I'm on, if I know that I'm going to be on an on an airplane for like 
four or five hours. Am I going to mess with one of those things? Am I even am I even legally allowed to use a Bluetooth keyboard on a on an airplane? I, you know, I don't I don't know the answer to that. But I'd much rather have a a device that's that's you know that's connected, either the way that a, uh, a conventional notebook is, or the way that Surface is, where you have this thing that magnetically snaps into place and makes a a, a physical electrical connection, so you don't have to worry about you know, Bluetooth radios, which can be flaky even under the best of circumstances, and then, uh, uh, you know, trying to prop up the the, the thing on an airplane seat. Uh, you know, so, I mean, that's that's why you still see, I, I think when I walk up and down the aisles on airplanes, which I've been doing a lot this year, uh, I see people holding iPads and reading stuff on them, and I see people uh, typing on Dells and MacBooks and HPs. You know, and I see very, very few people who are doing much in the way of typing on on an iPad. They're watching a movie. They're listening to music. They're reading. Uh, they're reading stuff. You know, but not not typing. Not and that's and that's the world. That's you know people who are out there using these products. Not. Uh, tech pundits and and uh, and geeks mm. like you and me, <laughs> and, and the people we love who listen to us on yeah. shows like this, and who and who I and and who read my stuff on on ZDNet. We're not normal people when it comes to technology. We we love it a little or a lot more than than the average people who are sitting on the, the airplane seats alongside us. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. I mean, I, I, exactly as you said, you know, it is, it is the, the, the tech press and, and the, the people that, um, you know, really love their Apple devices that will argue till they're um, <laughs> blue in the face that these things aren't just consumption devices. But then, like you say, you see it out in the real world and, and that's primarily what people are using it for. And that, that was kind of always my concern. I, I thought what I'd be looking for would be to get some kind of... Um, looking at the the Asus Transformer, something like that, that had a keyboard that you could take off or attach. But I think I saw, it said it, it made sense that the chances are once you've used one of those, you're either going to be in a situation whereby you quickly need the keyboard, but it's in the other room, or you've left it at home, or um, or the keyboard just permanently stays attached to the thing. And, and that for me, when, when I saw the, the Surface announcement, that that's, was when the kind of the penny dropped, that that kind of device where literally the keyboard can just fade into the background when you don't want it. But when you do need it, it's just there. Just, it's just part of the cover. Uh, I had the exact same reaction at the announcement there. You know, the, the, there are so many devices that we see in our jobs um, where you look at them and you go, what problem are, are they trying to solve with this? Um, and when you see the, the, um, the type cover and touch cover for the Surface devices, I, I look at that and I see there, that thing solves the problem that I have all the time. Now, now, it's not to say that I wouldn't, if if I were planning to spend a week somewhere and knew that I had a lot of work to do, I might be tempted to bring along a, a full-sized Bluetooth keyboard and trackpad of, of some sort as well. But I could pack that one in my 
uh, in my traveling bag and just take it out when I'm at my destination, you know, where I'm where I know I'm going to be setting up and leaving things in place for a few days. Uh, it's that it's that time when you're sitting in a coffee shop or an airplane seat or somewhere where you want to be able to switch modes very quickly. You know, I want to read this book. I want to read this group of articles that I saved. I want to uh, quickly scan through my email inbox and, you know, give short answers to things. I can do all that with a, with a tablet using a, using a touch screen. Um, but then, you know, if I want to, read a bunch of that stuff and then write a lengthy memo to somebody in the hour or two of downtime that I have on the airplane that's perfect for that. I want a keyboard to go with it. And just being able to flip it over and, you know, put the kickstand down and, and do that thing. I say there is a problem solved right there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, I, I ended up going to bed early that night, so I missed the actual announcement, but I watched the video back the next day and it and you know, when they flipped it over and showed the keyboard, that, that for me, and I, I don't like using comparisons, but that for me was an Apple moment. That, that's <laughs> the sort of thing, it's just not the sort of thing you expect Microsoft to do. Um, and not only that, that uh, you know, it was, it was this, and you know, going and actually touching the thing and feeling how smooth and solid it was, uh, was also um, very Apple-like. The engineering feels very Apple-like. But the thing that was most Apple-like of all was that they kept it a secret. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, exactly. I mean, uh, I, mean I, uh, like I, said, I didn't get to see the event live, but I was, I was following Twitter on that day, and it, the buzz was just amazing. The chatter and the speculation, and, the, and I think it was, um, was it uh, Raphael that put up a, a bounty that if you got the name of the product, absolutely right, it was going to give you a big pot of money? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know whether that was him, but I don't think anybody had to, had to pay out on that one. There were, <laughs> no. you know, there were a couple people who got close. There were a couple people who got little parts of it right. But, um, but you know, they, they, they pulled off a big surprise there. And it makes you sort of wonder um, what other surprises like that are, are in the pipeline doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it. Um, I mean, like you say, I mean, how they how they kept this thing a, a secret and you know just just the way it was unveiled was you know it was it was really nice to see. You know, as someone that that follows the, the Microsoft ecosystem, it was you know it's. I think the the main voice at the back of my head was when people were sort of speculating that it could be a tablet was that whole OEM argument. And I know, you know, that's the one that everyone has kind of pounced on saying, uh, you know, coming from the negative aspect. But I think I think it's I think it's a good balance. I think it is. Um, uh, I think Jose um, Ortiz was, was saying to me that, you know, it's um, it's almost like it's their Nexus device, that this is our premium device. And, you know, this is your this is what you need to aim for. But, you know, OEMs are always going to probably fall into that market, you know, underneath that anyway. Uh, you know, this is something that I, I wrote about uh, a while ago, um, maybe even back in uh, 2008 or so, uh, or yeah, it must have, it might have been in 2008, where I did, where I suggested that Microsoft could create a device like this, a reference design, um, and 
and then you know then the question was whether you sell it or you just um, you, you know you just sort of make it available for some OEMs to sell with their own brand name on it. But you you basically put it out there into the marketplace uh, because what it becomes is a is a put up or shut up card uh, for uh, for OEMs. You know when previously when there's a new generation of hardware that comes out with any Microsoft or for that matter Android operating system on it. Uh, anytime that the, the operating system and the hardware are being made by different people, um, there's this there's this guessing game that 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 we as reviewers have to do, which is to say how much of this feature, how much of this flaw is the responsibility, you know, or the credit of the hardware, and how much belongs to the the uh, the, the system software, and and so by having a a reference design, which you know is certainly what Microsoft Surface is, you basically say Microsoft says this is our our uh, standard. You should be, anyone should be able to build something that performs this well. And if you buy a new device and and it performs poorly or it you know crashes here or it does that over there, um, then you should compare it to this device. And and if this device works better than than your OEM's device, you should go to the OEM and say, you have a bug or you have a design flaw, please fix your device so that it works like this one. Um, and you also have the potential for OEMs to improve on the performance of, uh, of that reference device. But in the past, what they've tended to do is to uh, innovate the word that they use for it, differentiate um, by just throwing a layer of software on top of it, you know, or by adding more stuff to it that tends to make it non-standard and, and, and therefore hard, hard to learn uh, and hard to switch between different devices and also slows things down. You know, so having the reference device just basically says, this is the standard to shoot for. And, you know, it, and if it only does that, it's a good thing, um, but uh, but you know, as it stands right now, it's. I mean, that's the device that I want. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, definitely. And I think, um, I mean, I've, I've read many of your articles, uh, you know, discussing the issues of, of bloatware that the OEMs put on, and that the first thing you do when you get a PC is, you know, you always wipe it and put a clean version of, of Windows on it and go off driver hunting, and you know, because it just it just runs so much better. So, like you say, having this having this reference device, and and I think. One of the good things about Windows RT is that you know they won't be able to to put that bloatware on it regardless of what the, what they want to do. Yes, they'll be able to stick their apps on there, but as with Windows Phone, if you want to, you can just uninstall them. Yeah, I, yeah, there are. I, I think there are some carriers who put on apps that um, that are hard to install. I don't know whether there are any uh, that you know that can't be installed at all. But but boy, once you start introducing the phone carriers into the equation, then things get even more complicated. Uh, you know, they they have a degree of power over their ecosystems that PC OEMs don't have. You know, uh, and and so uh, you know, you have things like Microsoft's doing the the 
Microsoft signature builds of Windows that they sell through the Microsoft store, the physical stores and the online store, where you can where you can say, uh, okay, here's this device as made by this OEM, you know, Acer, Samsung, HP, Dell, whoever, and and now here's the exact same device minus the unnecessary utilities and third-party software being sold as a Microsoft signature device and uh, and you know, you you say holy crap, and then you go, oh wait, uh, there's no there's no crapware. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's why you get that. that. That's why you get that reaction. And I, yeah, I think you know the combination of these things are are eye opening, um, and yet uh, the 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 OEM community has not been responding as as well uh, you know as as they should. The one, did you see the announcement? of Visio PCs. I, I saw it. I haven't had a chance to actually, actually read anything, anything about it, but I did, I did, there was quite a bit of buzz around it, but I didn't get a chance to follow it up. Yes, yeah, so I went and, and looked at, um, at their lineup last night, and, it, you know, very, very intriguing stuff. They have only two desktops, all-in-ones, a 24-inch and a 27-inch, and only two... Uh, laptops, a 14-inch, very thin and light, and a and a 15-inch, more more full-featured, and 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 you know it's very similar to the uh, actually maybe there's an 11-inch in there somewhere as well, uh, but it's but it's very Mac-like, um, not so much in their engineering. They don't look like they don't look like Mac clones, but in the sense of a very limited number of products. Designed to serve a uh, you know a particular set of user needs and customer needs and and uh, you know and that's what Apple has done you know we're not you know we're not going to give you a hundred different SKUs you know whereas if you go to Dell or HP's website I mean you've got you've got seven brands before you get and then you drill down into the brands and you've got you know, three or five or seven or ten models under each one, and you can't tell the difference between them, and it's just and it's just insane. And, you know, so the idea of of simplifying the number of products that you have is as important as simplifying the products themselves. Yes, no, I mean that's that's really refreshing to hear, and certainly as you say, it's you know it's the the OEMs at the moment. It's it's almost like that some of the, the mobile phone manufacturers, you know, they just try and churn out so many devices and just hope with so many out there that that they'll get market share rather than just as you say focusing on on you know some just a, a few really really good devices. Uh, right, and, you know, and you certainly see that when you look on the Android side, um, you know, where you see. Hundred different Android devices, and you you have to study for a week or two to see the differences between them. If if you're not you know if you're not just going to go uh, you know jump on Twitter and say okay who makes the best uh, you know who makes the best Android device these days and 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 uh, and, and you're going to get it narrowed down to three, and then people are going to tell you this one, but it's going to be the most expensive. One and it and it and it also might not be right for for you. So then you've got to you know you've got to go and sort through all these all these different devices. Now you know unfortunately that's a choice that Windows Phone users 
don't have, and even more unfortunately, uh, all the choices that are available right now are products that are not going to be upgradable to Windows Phone 8 this fall, um, which is, you know, you sort of understand how that happened, but uh, it's, that's really, un- that's really <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly get into Windows Windows Phone next. Just one question I did have for you is that the um, the service announcement um, happened very quickly. It was it was announced very quickly, and, and within a matter of days, it, it had taken place. Do you think it was because something was about to leak, or that they were going to start having to put this through certification? With uh, um, I'm trying to remember the the organisation now that has to test these devices. Uh, the yeah right the underwriters laboratory uh, and and you know there's several standards organizations that have to that test them um, to you know test devices like these that are going out. There, my guess is that there was a disclosure that had to happen. Okay, Microsoft had to start start talking to. Uh, both certification groups and to their OEMs to let them know that these were um, that, that these were going to be coming. And once you start having those conversations with people, especially when they're they're the kind of conversations that are going to be contentious, you know, where your OEMs are are where their first reaction is going to be what uh, <laughs> yeah. that uh, that it's it's hard to keep things a secret. At that point, you know, that, you know, no matter how good your NDAs are, somebody's going to get angry, and um, and and they're going to pick up the phone. They're going to talk to somebody, and that somebody's going to be in the in the press or related to somebody who's in the press, and then boom, the thing leaks out. So I think there were some disclosures that they that they had to make, and so they decided to, uh, you know, just just narrow the window between the private disclosures and the public disclosures to the absolute tiniest uh, that they could have, which apparently is like four days. (laughs) I got the invitation on a Thursday afternoon, and I was in L.A. on Sunday, you know, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the announcement was four days later. So it was 96 hours of notice, basically. Yeah, so. certainly, certainly very, very tight. <laughs> but that's part of, but that's part of how you keep a secret is, uh, mm. you know, there. From my understanding, I talked to you know some of my friends at Microsoft who, uh, who were hearing about the the device at the exact same time that I was. In fact, they were following, you know, my Twitter feed and live blogs and uh, and things that people were doing, and and you know, these were a, an awful lot of Microsoft employees who were learning about these things at the same time that um, you know that that the press was, and probably only hours after uh, after the OEMs had, had gotten their briefing on it. Yeah, I guess it. I guess it also helps to be able to hide the R and D under a under a previous product name as well. So with the, with the Surface table, that was a, that was a clever <laughs> thing to do. Now everyone's going back and and uh, you know probably looking through the list of 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 great uh, uh, product you know trademarks you know that that uh, that could be revived that don't have negative baggage attached to them. Uh, Surface Surface certainly never you know it never made it out. 
into the uh, into the public consciousness at all. So it became kind of the perfect the, the perfect name there. We all knew about something. I think there were a couple stories in advance where people where people had gotten that they, they said that it's it's going to involve Microsoft Surface, and people said, you know, why would <laughs> their, their their tabletop thing? They're going to take that widespread. That makes no sense at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. very, as you say, very, very clever in doing. Yes. So I guess really the the, the question which we'll we'll have answered within, I guess the next six months or so is is whether or not this this gamble pays off and whether or not you know Windows 8 on on the desktop um, is is a success is you know if or if the the gamble kind of completely fails as as many people are predicting that just Windows 8 on the desktop just just will not work for me. I think I'm going to enjoy it because. Um, as has been said many times, the actual start screen when you get over the, the different UI actually works like the start menu. I've I've adapted over the over the Windows 7 era and the Windows Vista era as well to a point that I start things from the start menu by hitting start and typing. And when I'm my working day, I'd say 90% of the tools I use are pinned to the taskbar. So it's certainly going to be interesting. But I think that that $40 upgrade should should really help. And I, I think I've said in the past, I I just had this inkling that Microsoft was going to get as aggressive as it could with upgrades. Well, you know, so you've heard, you and I have both read predictions by people who say that Windows 8 is going to be another Vista. Um, and I think that... Or well, Star Wars Episode 1. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I just thought that was brilliant. A, fran- yeah, a franchise killer. Uh, the the <laughs> It made me laugh, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think what the Jar Jar Binks of Windows 8 is, but anyway. <laughs> um the, there, uh, the comparison yeah, to, the, 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 the comparison to <laughs> Windows Vista is is partially correct in that I think there's an opportunity for people to say I don't need to upgrade right now. Um, the the thing that's interesting is that there's always been the option for people not to upgrade, uh, mm-hmm. and and in fact, you know, historically. The way that Microsoft operating systems have been released, you know, people tend to skip one and 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 go to the next one, and and you know, you buy one because it's you need the hardware that goes with it, and and then you know, most people don't upgrade uh, their their hardware that they purchased with the next version of the operating system. They they hang on to it, and then so they get the the one the, the upgrade the update after that. Things got all screwed up with Vista, not because uh, people were content to stick with what they had, but because Vista itself was broken initially. The uh, the operating system itself had problems in it. The drivers, the, the third-party device driver ecosystem was horrifyingly bad uh, at initially, and um, and so the the experience that a lot of people had was you know things are slow things are crashy uh and 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 they weren't imagining things it was because the ecosystem wasn't you know nobody had taken the leadership to to bring all the pieces of it together and then you had you know there were other things that happened too like the uh, you know the window the vista ready versus vista capable debacle <laughs> yeah. you know things like that so vista but Vista as a product launch and as an initial uh, uh, whole ecosystem uh, experience for customers 
was unsatisfactory. And so a lot of people shunned it because it was broken. They tried it and it didn't work. Windows 8 is not broken. It's different and people might, you know, people might resist the fact that, um, that things are different. Um, but those who are okay with it, those who embrace it, those who use it on the new hardware will find that there's so much that's not only not broken, but that's better. I mean, this thing boots so fast. You, you know, you restart it and, you know, then zing, there it is in, in front of you. Um, there's a, you know, there's a lot of, of aspects about it that just work better. Uh, you know, just as, as Windows, the ribbon in Windows Explorer for me is, you know, is a vast improvement over Windows Explorer in uh, in Windows 7. Native support for USB 3.0, things like storage spaces, the task manager is better. There's all these things that are better if you can accept the, the, the change in the interface. So if you don't want to accept the change in the interface, you're perfectly free to stay with Windows 7. And, uh, and I would expect that Windows 9 will come along sooner rather than later, and it will address many of the issues that, you know, that some people have that are, that are going, you know, where they'll say, no, I'm going to stick with Windows 7 for right now. I think there's probably an acceptance of that group of people at Microsoft, and they'll say, we'll, you know, we're listening to them, and we're going to address a lot of these concerns in Windows 9. And so just as you saw the ribbon improve from Office 2007 to Office 2010, you'll see the, the, the Metro start screen and charms and all that stuff improve so that, you know, people are, are, are more accepting of it in, in, a, in, in, a, in another version. And meanwhile, there's Windows 7, still works, still available <laughs> yeah. on new PCs, supported until the year 2020. Nobody's saying you have to change, you know, and, you know, so, so we'll see how that, uh, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I think that's probably the, you know, that's, that's the scenario we're most likely to see. I think, um, yeah, I think that's a, an interesting point and a, and a nice way to, to move on to Windows Phone because that's pretty much what I've been saying about the, the Lumia 900, you know, it's still a nice phone, it still does exactly what it did yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I get just a couple of points that we we touched on last time about we we had a, a quick chat around whether or not the Zoom would ever would ever see a, a global launch and and one of your comments quite quite rightly was that you know a media player is is uh, you know it's it's had its day really yep. and here we are with the end of Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one you know that one I didn't need to uh, a, a crystal ball unfortunately no. to you know to see that one coming. The idea that our phones are going to uh, really be that you know the the thing that we carry around all the time, and then a, you know and then a slightly larger tablet style device is the next go to device is is yeah that one's pretty pretty easy to see now i've um I've almost two years now i've had my windows phone device and i still i still really really enjoy using it me and again me and uh, jose have some strong debates about um you know what's lacking in the platform but i always take the argument that yeah i you know it's obvious there are things missing you only need to look at the skype experience to see just just what is missing from the platform but i still my argument is that 
the way I use a mobile device, Windows Phone is more than enough for me. I, I don't want to be logged into Skype all the time, and I'm, I'm sure there are other consumers out there. But at the time we were, when we last talked, we were really feeling very um, severely the pain of Nodo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> which uh, it's so hard to believe that's you know that that uh, that's actually a a testament. You know, that was. 14, 15, 15 months ago, maybe. Yeah. And, and you know, the, so you know, a tremendous amount of progress since then. Um, I I really enjoy using my Windows Phone device as well, and yet I know that it's it's there's so much more that it mm-hmm. can and should be able to do. Uh, yeah. That you know that that's kind of frustrating. Probably the thing that that makes it that makes the, the the dislocation from you know Noto back then to the 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 big shift that's going to happen with, with Windows Phone 8 is at least in the U.S. Uh, the, the the amount of money that you have to pay the the commitment that you have to make for a uh, for a two-year contract um, and and so you you know you 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 can't if a device were subsidized to a certain point you could look at it and say fine I'll get a year's use out of this and then and then you know and then so be it uh and there were you know variation in the data plans and everything that went with it that would be one thing but those those aren't there um the it, among american carriers at least among, among the major american carriers you know you have pretty much pretty much a duopoly uh, Verizon and AT&T, and in both cases, you need to you need to pay for a very expensive data plan. You need to sign a contract for it for two years, and replacing your device outside of that two-year contract means means either paying full retail price or a, a staggeringly high early termination fee. So mm-hmm. you might get one one discounted device, but then you're paying five hundred or six hundred bucks for a phone. Um, and you know, again, for people who are pundits and who write about gadgets for a living and whose offices are filled with gear, much of which they get as review units anyway, that's, you know, they say, well, so what's the big deal? Uh, but for normal people who have, you know, budgets and try to want to, you know, think that two years is actually a short period of time for an mm. expensive piece of gear to last. Um, the idea of spending five or six hundred dollars a year on a phone is um, is excessive. So that's you know that to me is the hard part of of this. I I hope that when Windows Phone eight comes out, you say fine. That is the last big wrenching dislocation like that that happens uh, um, that that. Uh, wipes out a generation of hardware within a matter of months that you you can't do that more than once and expect to have uh, credibility and loyalty (laughs) among your customer base no no you certainly can't I mean I I, I mean, I can see see both sides of it. I think it's it's really disappointing um, that they've, that they've, but I can also see that it, it's necessary for the platform. And again, if I can quote you back from April 2011, um, the sentence was, "Update devices up to two years to build confidence in the platform." <laughs> and then you've got a device that's three months old, and and it's kind of you know it's kind of by the wayside. But I think 
you know, on, on the one hand, it's, it is still a, a great device. And uh, in fact, I've got a friend that bought a Lumia 800, and I um, swapped a few emails with him before he purchased. Look, you know, you need to understand that if, if you're willing to wait a couple of months, there's this other device coming down the down the down the line that you know um, that you won't receive. You get a device now, you will not. Well, there's a kind of 99.9 percent chance you won't see an update for it and and he'd been looking at windows phone for a while he he wanted the xbox experience and he kind of sat down and looked at it and went no actually i don't need to wait it does it does what i want it to do today so you know if it's going to be outdated in a in a couple of months time so be it um right and i don't think i've ever heard uh an android user who isn't a professional product reviewer or uh tech journalist uh, i don't think i've ever heard a normal Android phone users say, oh, I, I wish I could get uh, ice cream sandwich or jelly bean on, on this device. You know, mm-hmm. that isn't something that people say. What they say is, I wish I had better battery life on this. I wish uh, it, you know, it uh, didn't crash when, it, when I used this app. Or, you know, or I wish I was able to accomplish this particular thing. They, there are things that they want to do with it, um, and, and that's different from the, the concerns of, you know, the, the sort of elite tech press that says, uh, the, you know, the failure to uh, provide update to the next version of the operating system is an unpardonable sin. You know, if if uh, there there are, I'm sure, Android devices out there that people are very happy with, um, but you know, you, you know, or at least they don't want a new operating system; they want better battery life. That's mm. the that's probably the single biggest complaint I hear about Android devices. And for for Windows Phone, I think the thing that you know you hear from people is you want um, multitasking, you want Skype to work better. Uh, you want you want more parity among high profile apps you don't want that one or two apps that are really crucial for you to be missing uh from the the platform where they exist in the uh in in the competitors you know that's that's what i think people care about yes no i i think i think you're definitely right and i must say you know it, it is a shame with a device that's only 3 months old um kind of People to to phrase to paraphrase other people kind of get end end of life, but, it, but you know really it's it's not and consumers aren't like us they don't go looking for updates if they get prompted for an update they may or may not choose to install it, um, but you know generally speaking they just they get a device because that's the one that that piqued their interest at the time and and they they kind of live with it and, and move on and I think ultimately if if I mean looking at, there's two there's two sides really I mean there's as the positive side, all Windows Phone 7 apps will run on Windows Phone 8. Um, and then there's the, the kind of flip side of these people getting left behind. But we have to remember we've got, what, I think it's like 2% or um, 5% market share globally. So, it's you know, it's, if you're going to do it, now's the time. Uh, yeah, I, I, I haven't heard 5%. I think that would that, that's probably the most optimistic uh, projection that I've ever heard. You know, I think that might have been, I think that might have been globally, but I'm not... I'm not sure. I think I think like you say, two two to three percent is is kind of the the average. That gets these, these days, the five percent number might even include Windows Mobile devices. Uh, Could do yeah. some of which are you know some of which are still hanging around. So you know, that never but, got updated. <laughs> right, but there does come a, but there does come a point where you just you know you look at this and you say, okay, fine. When is 
Okay, when when does the gold rush happen? When does critical mass happen? When does the adoption curve uh, enter the hockey stick phase of of things? Um, mm. You know, you know, and and a lot of that is tied. We can you know we can tie this back to a lot of what we've been discussing about the other product initiatives that Microsoft has right now, things like SkyDrive. Um, and uh, and and you know Metro apps that are running on Windows 8, and and tablet form factors that are going to you know where the where the things will work better together. Will there be a halo effect where uh, these devices become popular and and therefore make people more interested in? Windows Phone devices, or is it going to be the other way around, and you're going to have kind of a reverse halo effect, where you say, "Well, you know, I went out and I looked at the available phone, the one that I had, the one, the one that I need, based on my, you know, requirements, is either an iPhone or an Android device, and therefore, uh, you know, it doesn't doesn't seem to work that well with the Windows 8 uh, ecosystem. Uh, and, you know, is is it, you, you know, you, that's where the next six months to a year is going to be very, uh, very interesting where we see those synergies, whether they do happen or not. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, definitely with, with the, the, the Metro interface spreading out across, you know, almost every everything Microsoft does, it's going to be interesting. We see if Windows Phone gets kind of caught up in some kind of snowball effect, whereas as more and more, you know, as the what, projected 500 million people that are going to buy a PC, you know, that, that maybe... Next time they're looking for a new phone, that they, you know, as we we talked about before, you know, they see an interface that that they recognise that that has a similar experience, has a similar user interface and user experience, and they haven't got to relearn the wheel. Yes, they've got to adapt, but you know, it's all just it, it kind of becomes natural. Yeah, and then once again, you have the thing, the the, the carrier factor, uh, which which completely changes the dynamics. Of, uh, of how those devices are sold as opposed to uh, PCs and tablets, which are you know which aren't tied down to a uh, to a specific to a specific carrier. You know, in in the U.S., I I have I have to be a Verizon customer. It's the only carrier that works in my office. AT, I was an AT&T customer for many years and their phones their, their service simply doesn't work in my office uh, and so I have to be a Verizon customer and Verizon at this point has exactly one Windows phone device the HTC trophy so therefore uh, you know I I yeah. use my very boring uh, not so sexy not very powerful HTC trophy device and someday Verizon you know Verizon has already said they are going to make a commitment to, you know, to Windows Phone. It's coming, uh, but I'm at, <laughs> I'm at their mercy. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. Certainly, the, the carriers certainly do do put. A, I, I would a completely pay, different I would pay the early termination fee at this point. I'm probably about uh, a year and a half, maybe. You know, I'm over a year into my contract with them, and and so you know. Come this fall, I might only have like seven or eight months of an early termination fee, and and I could I could take that I could you know 
yeah, that probably wouldn't be too painful, and I'd be, I'd be I, I I might be willing to to do that. But they've got to offer me some choices. If they don't, then uh, there there's there's no halo effect in the world that will work. No, no, that's <laughs> they, just, yeah. the devices have to be there. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm kind of lucky, really. I've I've stumbled into this two year cycle because I I got my Samsung Omnia Seven, um, which still has the disappearing keyboard bug, which annoys the hell out of me. Um, but I I bought that. It would be two years to the point where Windows Phone Eight would be expected to get get released in the fall. So I'll, I'll be I'll be doing an upgrade. And I think the 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 best announcement that for me at the Windows Phone Summit was the fact that the carriers are going to get out of the way with updates and that things would just get rolled out. And I think even better that um, existing um, kind of Gen One Gen One point five devices will automatically get updated to seven point eight. Regardless, I'm, I'm pretty certain this is what they said. Regardless of the kind of carriers, to I guess to to get those devices all onto, all onto a level playing field in terms of support and, and experience. Um, right. So, you know, if if all of those things line up, then uh, you will see all of the objections that that and the and the frustrations that anybody who follows the Windows Phone platform has been dealing with for the past year. You'll see many of them. They, you know, they won't they won't magically disappear, but they'll they'll largely recede into the background and the platform will be able to stand or fall on its own. But, yeah. uh, you know, that's uh, all I, I will believe it when I see it. Yes, no, exactly. <laughs> but then, you know, there, there is there is the other side of the coin that, you know, the Mango update went, uh, it wasn't released all in all in one go, but it was certainly a, a release schedule that, you know, Android users would have been jealous of. They would, yeah, they would indeed. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, the, the uh, I think, you know, just about everybody has has got it now. If not, if not everyone, and it's yeah. uh, you know, and it, it only took. It, it was a relatively. It seemed like forever at the time, especially for people who uh, who cynically believed that the carriers were going to sabotage the the update process. And, <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh. And and okay. It it. It went better, um, but you know you're still somewhere in between the m- messy, chaotic Android experience and the uh, rigid, uh, well-controlled uh, Apple iOS experience. You know you're still somewhere in in the middle there, and I don't I don't think you're you're ever going to get to the perfectly controlled world that Apple has because they control every bit of software and hardware mm. in the in the ecosystem so they can you know they can dictate the terms all all along the way you've got yeah. you know you've got hardware partners on the on the windows phone side but still um you know it can it can get better but you know We'll we'll see we'll see when it comes. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Uh, again, you know, always tie these things back to back to what we talked about previously. But you know, the OEMs again stepping in the way with with the Focus 1.4. You know, you can always rely on the OEMs to mess up. So you know, will will we see a, a Microsoft Surface phone? Do you think? Um, I don't think so. I, I mean, I think that's the role that that Nokia is playing they're kind of building mm. they're building the reference devices and um and as long as they're able to remain independent and able to remain committed to being the 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 the, the sort of reference standard 
for the platform, uh, then Microsoft has no need to uh, to do that. Uh, you know, you can. I, you know, a lot of people write about. I mean, I think every three months or so, there has to be a new story where someone suggests that Microsoft uh, should, or is going to, or is uh, about to uh, buy Nokia. And I don't see that happening. But you know, that's probably about the only way that they could get into the handset business. You know, that's mm. the only way they do it. And I don't. I don't see that happening. No, I think <clears throat> I think the only way I could ever ever see that happening is if if Nokia got to that point where it was going to go under because you know we we live in a a, a patent society so could would could Microsoft afford for those patents to get into someone else's hands? Right. Uh, so you know. <laughs> so we'll 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 see. Everyone's calling for uh, you know the the. You know, and Nokia is certainly going through their hard times right now. Thank, thankfully, they have um, uh, research in motion to, uh, yes. <laughs> to provide a, um, oh, well, it could be worse counterpoint for them. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I, I, I certainly think that, that, as we've talked about, you know, Windows Phone 8 should be the, should be the coming of age. You know, there is, there is a reason why they're using the Windows 8 core um, because, uh, you know, all this kind of, Cross compatibility with drivers, and you know, being able to to just port things across, you know, the gaming engines, and um, you know, all the native code, and the and the the multitasking, and you know, I for one can't wait for my 64 core mobile phone with its five minute battery life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but but it will keep you warm for that five minutes. <laughs> yeah, and, definitely. Uh, during, during those uh, you know those those frigid Januarys and Februarys, uh, <laughs> you know, people just hold that out. You know, be, you could put it inside a sock and and uh, and and it'll be your your, your your hand warmer device. Uh, but yeah, you, you know, <laughs> uh, but yeah, trying to predict the trajectory of a lot of these things is, is just difficult. You know, the, the, it's hard to believe the iPad did not exist two and a half years ago. Um, no, the iPhone no. did not exist just a little over Five years ago, I think it was just announced, or it went on sale five five years ago this past month, and uh, and and so you know those are those are you know pretty radical changes to things. I remember someone showing me the first Android phone, and you know it must have been three and a half or four years ago, and uh, and and saying, well, well, that's kind of interesting. Uh, these things change very quickly. And um, and that pace of change is not going to slow down, uh, you know. So so anybody who's making predictions about the the velocity of of any one of these markets or the mix of players in any one of these markets, unless it's somebody like you know, unless it's somebody like BlackBerry, where you say you know they're they're really in dire shape, and it's and it's and you can make a a credible case that they that 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 they don't have a path to survival. You can you know most of these other companies, technologies, and platforms. You look at them and you can say, well, with the right combination of external events and and uh, a little bit of their own luck and a stumble on the part of their competitors. The market can can change, you know. It, it's it's happened before. It'll happen again. Yeah, I mean, I I remember thinking once, you know, many years ago, you know, 
who on earth is going to come and and overtake Microsoft because you know they were they were the dominant player everywhere and and here we are you know kind of maybe six months ago twelve months ago or, or you know like you say two years ago when the iPad launched that they were almost at, on the brink of becoming the the also rans um, you know and it, it was going to be interesting to see whether or not um, these uh, new interfaces with the Metro everywhere and can really kind of bring them back to back to the fore as, as people shift to these mobile devices and mobile phones and tablets. And well, and a lot of what they're doing is a response to exactly the phenomenon that you describe. Um, you know, the initiatives that we're seeing today are things that have been under development for three years or more. Um, mm. And, you know, there were a lot of false starts along the way, and there were also um, uh, duplicate efforts. And, and so, you know, a lot, of, a lot of what we've seen is technology that's working better now, but there's also been kind of a focus on cut this out, stop doing this, take your resources and, and focus them more. Uh, don't just release something and then look at it and say, well, how did that work and how do we need to change it the next time? But instead have a roadmap that says we're doing this and then we're doing this and then we're doing this and then we're doing that. And um, and in order for that, in order to execute on, on that kind of roadmap, um, you, you have to throw away a lot of things that weren't working. And so you see the announcement or the, the, the thing that was finally made public today or yesterday that Windows Home Server is, that's it, end of the line, Windows Home yeah. Server 2011. But, you know, you look at the resources that were being put into that, um, take those resources and put them into mainstream products. Uh, you know, you look at the resources that were being put into the Zune devices and the Zune service and... Uh, and, and a lot of other stuff, and you say, nope, these are going into Xbox, and the Xbox platform will be, you know, all of those uh, development resources and uh, the the servers and everything. They're all going to be housed in uh, in in one place and unified across uh, across platforms. That you know that that's really painful if you're a Zune fan, but it, you know what, Xbox One, and so you know, concentrating. Picking the winner and putting your resources behind the winner and giving it, in this case Xbox, the opportunity to uh, to really succeed is the smart way to play it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Windows Media Center has, has been given the last lease of life, but um, I've got in my notes here that you know I kind of see the Xbox as, as it was a Trojan horse into the living room. You know. It's, <laughs> It's in was it something like fifty billion living rooms and you know I think I think this um, what well, is basically the Xbox companion app version to this smart glass I think I think that has real potential I think it's actually seventy million now uh, oh is it yeah it's seventy really million Xbox three sixties have been sold um, and so that you know that's an awful lot of living rooms for people to be in and it's still selling yeah I think it's still the number one console so still selling it is yeah still selling very yeah. quickly and and you know so a great way to get um, to get media in, into the living room. And I think people are much more likely to have an Xbox, to tolerate having an Xbox in the living room than they are to tolerate having a, having a PC there. Um, you know, so that was you know, clearly the right bet to make. And listen, it's not like uh, 
there wasn't a significant investment of effort uh, of you know development mm-hmm. resources and and everything put into media center but uh but you know it just the, the, there are you know m- many software companies would be happy to have the volume of usage that media center has at microsoft it is not a success to have you know six percent of twenty five percent of your user base um, that is you know that is using it more than once a month that's not what you want to have as a signature feature in your in your product yeah i mean i am um, <clears throat> tweeted today really that with with the Xbox, um, which I know isn't strictly mobile, but um, you know, it's we, if if there's only one TV service in terms of our free um, over-the-air services, which is um, the ITV, a commercial channel. That's the only catch-up TV services, and on the Xbox now, if you kind of exclude all the smaller channels, um, you know, and if 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 that was on there, we could almost do away with having Media Center, having tuners. We're almost at that point. Right, uh, and I think you've got some of the same things happening here too uh but just as with in the US just as the phone carriers are an obstacle to the evolution of phone platforms cable and satellite companies in this country are an obstacle to the adoption of good widely available digital media distribution platforms and you know so the, the it's ripe for disruption but the cable and satellite companies are pretty good for disrupting right back you know mm. uh it, you know it's it's not necessarily a good kind of disruption but they can make things that you know that that don't work so you know google comes out with their google nexus device and somebody goes through and does a you know, a, a look at what's available on it, and you go, well, it doesn't have HBO, it doesn't have Showtime, it has, you know, a fraction of what Amazon has, it has a fraction of what iTunes has, uh, and and you know, you look at that and you go, you know, without that base of media content, can you really have a, a successful living room device? Xbox in the U.S. Ha- is is starting to achieve that critical mass where you could say you know i could i i could use this uh probably pretty it it, it i might be able to give up my cable subscription uh and and just go with the xbox but that's in the that's in the u.s the, the, there's globalization issues uh, mm. as well there's a lot of people in countries outside the u.s who say well you know thanks a lot but there's no music here there's no tv here there's no movies over here and uh and so it's you know incomplete at best as a uh as, as a media strategy for people so, you know so we have just you know, all this uncertainty uh, and all and all of these frustrating and incomplete platforms and and so when we come back in a year and a half <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh you know maybe at the end of of uh you know hopefully we'll talk between now and then but uh, but if we if we revisit this particular conversation in um in late 2013 uh it will be very interesting to see whether those issues of of the uh, of the I- incomplete nature of the media platforms of whether anyone has successfully you know cracked the code 
to use the the expression that Steve Jobs <laughs> yeah. supposedly told his uh, his biographer Walter Isaacson before he died. Uh, you know, has anybody cracked the code yet for that, or or are we looking at products that are marginally less painful in late 2013 <laughs> than they were in in mid 2012? You know, yeah, that, that will be. I'm I'm skeptical that will be that that you know that we'll get to the point where. Uh, where I'll be able to say, yeah, I got rid of my cable company because I don't need them anymore. Uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. Some people, more more people will be able to see that, but say say that and do that. But whether it achieves critical mass is anybody's guess. I don't. I think it's still even a few years beyond that. Yeah, I think you're right. I and mean, again, it's it's kind of digressing away from mobile but we, we had a new set-top box launch to the UK yesterday called UView which is um, the BBC and, and ITV and Channel 4 and Channel 5 all, basically all the big catch-up TV services in the UK well all the big TV providers in the UK that are non-subscription um, based like Sky Television they've all got together and launched this UView box which when you use the guide you, you can go back in time but it's like you're just using the guide but if you pick something that was on yesterday it will play it via catch-up if you pick something that's on now it'll play it through the through the tuners so you know that kind of um completely transparent experience whether or not you you know you you don't know if you're watching a catch-up tv service you just pick something from the guide and and away it goes so that's going to be quite interesting to watch in the uk well and that is uh and that both here and and around the world is ultimately where we need to see the convergence of mobile devices uh you know where mobile devices are should be able to function as standalone players for when you're out in the in the world and mm-hmm. you know on an airplane in a coffee shop or just driving around um and you want to you know you know listen to something or or watch something but then they also need to be able to serve as sort of the uh the remote control for a larger more satisfying device when you're in your home or your your office and and you have the availability of a larger screen you know it it is it is nice to have an app that can work as the the remote control for the for a larger device the way that smart glass does the way that i'm sure apple is going to come out with you know they they want to have ipad like devices that'll work with apple tv and the way that you know google is doing with its its devices that's the that's the goal that all of these the you know those companies are moving towards um but uh it's just moving at a glacially slow pace <laughs> yeah no definitely i mean smart glasses and i'm i'm really interested in cuz as I say, it can it can cross all those different mobile devices and then when you get home you just kind of i mean i mean i guess ultimately it's their their apple tv play isn't it really their airtime not airtime sorry um is it airplay airplay exactly yeah it's ultimately so um so yeah, so it's it's going to be interesting. I mean, the, the big question question for me, really, getting you to put your your fortune tellers hat on again, is uh, I'm not so much worried about Windows 8 on on desktop PCs. I'm more worried about the choice to use Windows 8 as their tablet play. Is can Microsoft iterate fast enough? Because the you know if you look at iOS on on um, iPads, um, you know you're looking at new releases every six to twelve months, and and to in Look, looking back historically, you know the Windows team just they just can't work to that kind of cycle. So, will we see Windows RT or and Windows 8 just not ad- adapt and grow quickly enough to compete? 
Well, I'm not sure that the that the kernel, the basic functionality of iOS is changing all that much uh, on a you know on a cycle of every six to twelve months. It's the you know the hardware is changing and enabling new capabilities. The the built-in apps that they're offering are becoming more uh, more powerful and more full-featured. You know, if you, if you have a front-facing camera on a new phone, all of a sudden you have an opportunity to add support for that in the OS, in, you know, in iOS and and or in or in Windows Phone or you know any any OS, and then you have an opportunity to create apps that that go with that as well. So you have things like FaceTime. Um, but you know, for, if you have an older phone that doesn't have a front-facing camera, that capability and that app is kind of meaningless to you. Uh, and you also have a, a lot of the, the 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 new capabilities that are being delivered in updates are being done in the application platform itself. So they're new APIs, you know, and and such. Uh, so perhaps the thing about Windows is that, you know, Microsoft over the last couple of years has been very, very deliberate in saying, it's a point I've made before and I'll make it again, uh, they've been very deliberate in saying, we think the right cycle to deliver Windows on is every two or three years. Yeah. They've been delivering a new release every three years, but they've said repeatedly over since the, the, the launch of Windows 7 every two or three years. I don't think that's accidental wording. I think that you're, we're probably going to see Windows releases on coming on a two-year cycle, and that's where you'll have, you know, the kind of big, uh, you know, big changes in plumbing that will affect things like the file system and uh, and and the kernel and we'll have support for new CPUs and new security uh, infrastructure as, as well. But the apps themselves that are intrinsically a part of the operating system and really, you know, that will be a part of a tablet-based operating system, your communication suite, um, you know, managing people, managing uh, storage in the cloud via SkyDrive and stuff like that. Those things have been iterated by the Windows Live and the SkyDrive teams on a three to six month cycle over the past um, over the past couple of years. They've been pushing out new incremental releases quarterly, and then they've been doing new waves, uh, you know, approximately every year or so. So if you see the apps that come with Windows 8 refreshed on a yearly cycle so that you have, you know, all of a sudden you have Windows 8 and boom, you have a bunch of new Metro-style apps that work really well, then then it, it might feel like a whole new operating system even if the, uh, the internals aren't changing all that much. And similarly, if they can push out new APIs by updating the, the uh, you know, the WinRT Runtime, you know the runtimes mm-hmm. that are going for, um, you know, for the for the Windows platform, so that it lights up new functionalities of of newer apps. But if you don't, if your hardware doesn't support it, or you haven't got that update, you know, the apps will continue to work. It's just new features that won't work quite the, you know, quite the same. Um, that's a way of maybe iterating 
what we traditionally think of as the operating system uh, in a in a way that will you know that'll you'll say well it's only been a year but look we've got support for new for new things in the platform here and the developers feel good about that uh, and, and all so that's you know that's that's probably the only way it's going to happen because you're not going to see Windows you know you're not going to see Windows going to a Google Chrome style or an Android <laughs> or an Android style release schedule I don't I don't see that happening there's still too much of the the partner base in terms of OEMs and the corporate base in terms of wanting uh, you know stability in the the underlying platform for them to for them to be able to get away with making wholesale changes on a yearly or faster basis not going to happen yeah no i mean that's certainly my my gut feeling that that we would see winrt um the winrt development environment um released and updated outside of the core windows update cycle so it'll be interesting to see where we are in six to six to 12 months time as you say yeah so we'll check you know so the next time the the next time we talk it will we will we will certainly you know we're, we're talking right now when you go back and listen to this and when anyone anyone goes back and listens to this we, we don't know exactly when windows 8 is going to release to manufacturing and we don't know exactly when it's going to uh ship to OEMs and then be in the hands of consumers, uh, but you know that it's it's probably reasonably close. But um, that is, you know, once those things happen, it gets out into the world and it takes on a life of its own. And um, and you know, so we can we can make our predictions about it. But I I you know I think the the probably the safest prediction that you can make is that it's not going to go as anyone thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, it's certainly going to be certainly going to be interesting to to watch and see where we see where we end up. I think I um I tweeted out today that Windows Seven RTM'd on the twenty second of July and was available on TechNet on the sixth of August. So let's see how they do. Exactly. <laughs> well, Ed, thank you ever so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you as, as always. I could I could chat to you all night, but well, all day for you, I guess. But I'm sure you've got better things to do. <laughs> I, well, I'm not sure that they're better, but uh, I know that there are things that uh, there, there's a couple of editors at ZDNet who would like me to pay attention to right now. I'm going to go up and do those things, and it's been a pleasure talking to you. Give my best to Ian. Yeah, I certainly will do. And uh, where, where can people find you if they want to follow what you're up to? Uh, probably the best, uh, you know, geez, ZDNet is going through a, a redesign right now. So go to uh, go to edbot.com and follow the links there. Um, they will they will take you to um, what I've been up to lately. Um, or uh, at edbot on Twitter is also a great place to uh, to keep up with what I'm doing because um, God help me I can't stay off of Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is one of those things that can easily consume up some time, especially when there's announcements like the Surface and Windows Phone. Easily. Uh, so, so uh, but that's probably the best place to find what I'm doing these days. Okay, brilliant. Well, thanks again ever so much, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll catch up. Not so, not so, not so, so long time. Uh, I won't let so much time pass this time. Okay, thanks a lot. Talk to you later. Thank you. All right, bye bye. So it was really good chatting to Ed. Hope you enjoyed listening. He's always a fantastic guest, and I'm really honoured to have him on the show. And hopefully, we can get him on again soon and discuss where we are, maybe in six months' time, once uh, Windows Phone 8 and Windows 8's been out for a while. So, uh, just thanks again to him. Um, as he said, you can follow him on Twitter at, Ed, at EdBot. 
Um, you can follow myself at DatabaseJace. You can follow John at John Dickinson. You can follow the main feed at TDL Mobile, and Ian Dixon is at IS Dixon. Um, I'd just like to say thank you to um, Audible for sponsoring the show. Um, you can certainly uh, check out and get a free trial. Um, just visit www.audibletrial.com forward slash TDR mobile uh, free 30 day trial with a yeah, free audio book that you uh, can keep even if you don't continue on with the service so please do check them out and support the show and if you'd like to get in touch discuss any of the matters that we uh, had on that we Ed and I talked about then please do get in touch feedback at tdrmobile.com okay I think that's going to do it for show 109 and we'll catch you next week thank you bye bye <laughs>